0: Hi everyone, this is Nikki Gamer for Catholic Relief Services, and welcome back to Behind the Story, a podcast series that invites you to celebrate the people behind 75 years of our history, the people we serve, our partners, our staff, and especially the supporters who make our work possible. In our last episode, we spoke to the Trujillo family of Atlanta about our work to help resettle thousands of Cuban refugees to the U.S. in the 1960s. Today, we'll be talking to Natalie and Dave Perueno, both former CRS staff, about a very difficult moment. April 1994, when the Rwandan genocide shocked the world and pierced the heart of CRS. In just a hundred days, more than 800,000 people were massacred, including five CRS employees and many, many family and friends. Natalie, Dave, Welcome, thank you both so much for being with us and for reflecting on what I can imagine was a very painful time for both of you.
1: Oh, you're welcome, it's a pleasure to be here, back at CRS. Thank you for having us.
0: I heard there were so many people who knew who you are, that you've been getting stopped Uh, you know every five minutes before even getting up here
1: well we've got a chance to see some good friends old friends that we haven't seen for a while so that's a bonus here we are part of the family (laughs) (laughs) love
0: that i love that all right so we're going to go back in time the way back time machine and we want to know how the two of you met
1: Well, I joined CRS in 1977, and so I ended up in Sierra Leone working on a pilot school project uh, near the Liberian border. And about 18 months later, I was contacted by headquarters asking if I wanted to go to Rwanda. I knew they had mountain gorillas, and I knew Rwanda was called the country of a thousand hills with perpetual spring. So I arrived in Rwanda on July 1st, 1978. I was met at the airport by an American, and she took me to a small Catholic guest house in Kigali. So I found my way down to the dining room around 6 o'clock and went in, and there was one person sitting in the dining room. Yes, believe it or not, it was Natalie. And she was the very first Rwandan that I met in Rwanda. And I knew immediately she was pretty special. And we started um, the next few days helping each other. She helped me learn my high school French a little better and I worked with her on her high school English. And before we knew it, six months later, we were married. What about
0: her struck you? You said you knew she was special right away.
1: She was so friendly, outgoing, caring. After a little while, some people came in, they all came over and hugged her, and whether it was the the server or the cook or whoever, it didn't matter. She just was a, someone that loved people, besides, of course, being beautiful.
0: <laughs> and Natalie, what did you think about when you saw him for the first time?
1: Well,
2: uh he was cute back then. <laughs> <laughs> back then? <laughs> so, so, so after we talked a little bit and I found out that he was Catholic, I knew I was in business because that <laughs> was going to approve.
0: And what positions were you both holding at the time at CRS?
1: Well, I had arrived as a country representative in Rwanda at that time. and. Uh, Our typical job is to be overseeing and developing country programs and what our focus would be.
2: I worked for the government, the Ministry of Youth, as a social worker.
1: We stayed in Rwanda three years after I arrived, and we had two children, and from there we moved to Zaire.
0: So Natalie, I want you to take us there and describe Rwanda the way you remember it as a girl.
2: It was a fun place to live in, to be. The climate was perfect. My parents had um, 12 kids, so families tended to be bigger, which to me was a great thing because then it's more cousins to play with. (laughs) but as I was growing up also there were some bad things because I grew up after the revolution which took place in 1959 but being a a child having a family and friends was really the most important thing for me even though we were going through civil wars I felt safe because of the family and the community and the church. So my childhood was the best time of my life. After sixth grade, you had to go through the process of passing a national exam. And because Rwanda had a quota, between uh, the main ethnic groups, the Hutu and the Tutsis. I was Tutsi. Only 10% of the Tutsis were allowed to go to school. And um, so I was among the blessed ones who went to high school. And high school, then you had to go away from home to a boarding school, Catholic boarding schools. And it was fun too. It was challenging because then I discovered discrimination. So to study under those conditions, thank God for prayers. It was very hard, stressful, fearful, but uh, through prayer, the Holy Spirit shows you the way and you learn how to become friends with the enemies.
0: Natalie, how did your parents make their living?
2: During the time, even now, The majority of Rwandese were all farmers. The economy of Rwanda is based on tourism and uh, agriculture, subsistence economy. So we helped when we were home, we helped with the chores at home and in the field. It was fun because when you help your parents, let's say it's the season to grow beans or, or squash, then you see every step of it up to the harvest, you feel proud. My parents were super, super sweet and generous, because when I was younger, we lived in a refugee camp after the revolution, so we knew what hunger felt like. So as we moved out of the refugee camp and there were uh, widows in our neighborhood whose husbands were killed during the revolution and during uh, the civil wars so dad god bless him no one asked him but every harvest he had to have a portion to take to the widows in the area and guess who carried that and our heads us 10 kilo here 25 kilo there We did it because we had to obey, but we didn't like it. It's like, you're taking our food away? (laughs) You know, we worked hard for it. But as I got older, I I appreciate what my parents did. As a 10 year ten-year-old, you go take care of your little brothers and sisters who are three and four. We never left each other. We worked together, we ate with each other, it was beautiful.
0: Do you remember anything else you'd want to share about your mother?
2: Oh, my mom was goofy. (laughs) My mom, God bless her. I don't know where she got this sense of humor, but she was very, very hardworking woman. But she was very, very funny. Because being so many at home, there will be times we were hungry. And you come back from school. Before you go to school, you do your chores. Then you come back running. to to do more chores at home, but we would tell mom, before we go fetch water, can we please have a little bit to eat? (laughs) Because she didn't want to make us upset, she would throw in a joke. She would kind of hand you her hand, said, here, have a bite. It's like, mom, (laughs) I'm seriously, I'm hungry. So you knew you had to go do what she asked you to do Uh, just laughing at you and do it anyway. But then you come back, she gives you a lot of food, (laughs) gives you compliments, you're a good kid, and those kind of things. And so we work for compliments too. (laughs) All
0: right, I want to talk about um, your faith. What did being Catholic mean to your family?
2: We prayed so much when we were growing up. We prayed before we went to school. We prayed the rosary every night before we ate dinner. It, it was something we grew up with, so it was really part of us. So being Catholic was a good thing, and that's what we knew. We lived our faith all the time. You know, if you mess up at school, you simply return and you and then is what happened, confession. And we we went a lot.
0: (laughs) Dave, when you hear your wife remember and talk so beautifully about her childhood, what comes up for you?
1: Well, I had the opportunity to really get to know her family because we lived there basically three years and we spent a lot of time there. Family was the most important thing. Her father was this wonderful person who watched over everything, and her mother was a funny woman. I didn't speak a word of Kinyarwanda, she didn't speak a word of English, but somehow she got across to me when she was happy with me or or a joke that she was telling.
0: So getting back to the dynamics between the Tutsis and the Hutus, How did that play out on a daily basis?
1: Well, I lived in Rwanda from 78 to 81. And during that time, it was really pretty peaceful. Hutus and Tutsis were friends, generally. And we were aware, of course, that there were tensions between Hutu and Tutsis. But when I hear the stories, and uh, of course then the genocide happened, It's just so hard to fathom how people who really were so loving, so kind, family was important, they intermarried, they were one. Their culture, their language, their holidays, their everything was one. How that could happen and how scary that was as they went through it. When there were
2: so-called peace, we we were one people. You know, I remember back after the civil war in 1973, they kicked all the Tutsi kids out of school. And I think that civil war lasted three months. I was away in the hiding, far away from my parents' place. And when we got back home, the president said on the radio peace and unity. Whatever they will say, people will listen back then. And how the president said this, they were peace. You play with your friends again, you know?
0: So it wasn't like, oh, my neighbor is... uh, No, no.
2: We had our families, our church, our community. We we felt comfortable. And um, until there will be a civil war, When there was a civil war, you always felt fearful.
0: So Natalie, this was going on during a period of civil war before the genocide, while you were at boarding school. Is that right?
2: We all went away to boarding schools. So they had a campaign, mainly at the boys' schools, telling them that they need to kill every Tutsi student and kick them out. And in the middle of the night, the principal comes and picks every one of us. We thought we were in trouble. So we went in the convent. She said, I'm sorry, children, you have to leave. She's like, I just passed a national exam and I'm you're going to kick me up before the end of the semester so what did we do she said well, there is something going on and it's up there after 2 children so we have to leave and she said make sure you don't tell your friends but at that time we didn't know anything so we we said so how are we going to get to the main town because we were hoping they would drive us. They didn't want to do that because they didn't want to be implicated. So I knew a priest, Father Augustin, who was a friend of the family. So this person took us to his house. When we got there, God blessed them. They gave us food and milk. And uh we said, can we stay here? Because we didn't know what was going yeah, it's on. Terrific. And she said, we are known in the area, if you stay here, they will kill you with us. And the family is the one who told us what was going on. So they advised us, go to the commercial center, don't say anything. It was very bad. We walked very long distances and Rwanda is very mountainous. So these two guys said, "Uh, what's wrong? What's going on? Well, they just kick us out of school. So they turn around with us. So we follow them. So we walk two days, one night, and one of these guys was was Futu. But they were nice to us. Thanks to God we have them because at night we were afraid. Guess what? The next morning, noise going around, burning houses. It's like, oh my God had no clue where we were going because we were in the hills where we've never been before. Sure. So we walked another day, up and down, and then we ran into other students. We ended up, we were like 13 girls, and these two guys, the kids started running, told us, and those guys said, we cannot stay with you. If we stay with you, they will kill us. We were close to a parish. The grass was tall, so we went, kind of, hid in the grass. And those guys walked on top of us. They didn't even fear us. But the type of fear you have at that time, it's like you are numbed. It's it's like your brain goes to sleep, even though your eyes are open. We heard uh, somebody wh- whistling. Like, oh. oh. They found us. It was a Hutu priest. God bless you. He, he They killed him in the genocide. Anyway, he said, other kids are at the parish. Where is the parish? So he said, it's like 10 minutes from here. He said, but I cannot take you with me. I said, please, please, we be begged. He said, no, if, if I take you, they kill you. He showed us how to go down the here. Then he said, go down, turn left. Oh, my God.
0: What did Natalie and her classmates find at the bottom of that hill? Refuge or something else? Join us next month as Natalie tells us how the situation in Rwanda went from bad to worse and how this catastrophe changed CRS forever. Until then, check us out online at 75.crs.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thank you.